Hello and welcome to YA Book Jam, the monthly book club dedicated to young adult books, hosted by me, JL Blakely. And me, Arden Jones. And me, Shelley Mack. I'm going to start with a public service announcement. There are always spoilers in every episode. I will say this book handles some difficult topics, so we want to give some trigger warnings for sexual assault and self-harm. But if you haven't read this book yet and you think you'd like to, hit pause, go read it. You'll thank us, trust me and then come back and have a listen. So I have chosen The Sharp Edge of Silence, written by Cameron Kelly Rosenblum and published by Hotkey Books in April 2023. At the elite Lycroft Phelps School, smooth surfaces conceal dark truths. Quintessential Lycroft girl Charlotte believes in what the school has to offer, but somebody knows her weaknesses and is pressing on them hard. Max has always been an outsider until he's unexpectedly catapulted into popularity. Just how far will he go to stay there? And then there's Quinn, a sixth generation Lycroft legacy who must watch the boy who assaulted her continue to play at the top of the school's food chain. When Quinn's repressed rage begins to take its toll, the dangerous secrets connecting her, Charlotte and Max threaten to tear their school apart. But Quinn knows one thing for sure, Colin Pierce must die. So Hockey Books is one of my favourite publishers. So when I got an email with the first chapter, I was hooked. We start with three different letters of acceptance to Lycroft Phelps School. This is our first clue to our three main characters. We get our first glimpse at their different interests and backgrounds, and then the mysterious burnt edges that cover up Quinn's letter. And what an opening. I'm going to read the first couple paragraphs because it packs such a punch. I weave between trees. Hidden, exposed, hidden, exposed, navigating roots and rocks and earth, spongy with leaf rot. Sprawled between tidy footpaths, these woods are unruly and thirsty, sucking the darkness between grooves in the tree bark and crevices in the rocks. The sky is at its darkest now, between sunset and moonrise. So many betweens. I'm between myself and myself, I think. I feel my bones but don't recognise my skin. The strange new self drinks in the power of night. I know what I was. I don't know what I'm becoming, but I know what I need to do. Get Officer Doherty's gun because Colin Pierce must die. It's um, amazing. It's amazing. It is so it? good. As we read on through this chapter, we have Charlotte living a dream life that seems too good to be true. We have Quinn in a living nightmare and Max, who's floating somewhere between the two. They're all linked by Colin Pierce. Now, I'd love to hear your first impressions of the book and our three main characters. Okay, so my first impression, well, I absolutely loved the cover. So the dedication is for mum and dad who taught me resilience. And I just thought that said so much in a very small amount of words. And I contain multitudes, the quote from Walt Whitman. So I knew what I was going into was going to be extremely powerful and I just couldn't wait. The first chapter we sort of understand Quinn is seeking a vendetta and looking for a gun. The first chapter was so compelling and I just had to, to read on. And then Charlotte sort of, she's not the dictator of her own story and I was gripped by that because she was a girl who needs to find herself and seems on a path of doing what is only expected of her. So she's quite a frustrating character, even from the beginning. But I think I was really, really excited, particularly about her character arc. And Max, I felt, was probably the most real character. Very strong, very confident. So yeah, I quite liked Max straight away. I found each one so different, so well written. And yeah, I was really interested to see how, at this point, all their lives were going to interlink. 
I loved, loved, loved the opening chapters. Like there was one for each of the protagonists. There was one for Quinn, there was one for Charlotte, one for Max. And each one was written beautifully. Each one just showed their characteristics. And we knew exactly what we was in for from each perspective. We really got to root for them, especially with, I'm going to say Q, because I keep calling her Q now. Um, <laughs> she is on a mission to kill Colin Pierce. And I am with her on this. She is a badass. <laughs> And another gun. <laughs> <laughs> take it away, take it away from it. The way each character's opening just all linked together. We had Charlotte who was with Seb and who is the that charismatic popular kid that everybody loves and she's on their date and then they're interrupted by the stalker, which is Q, and they make her run for their lives. And what I really found interesting in this opening for Charlotte is that Seb in this mentions that it could be Pierce. So straight away we are like, what if Seb knows Pierce is a weirdo? Like already at this point. Mm. So there's some mm. like really good foreshadowing going on there. But then we was introduced to Max. And I think, like you said, Shelley, his he was such a good character. He was really lovable, really relatable. And he spots the stalker. So I just love how they all link together. But yeah, what I really took was how relatable they all were. I know that you mentioned, Shelley, that Charlotte probably was the least relatable one for you. But I really found the way she was obviously in first love scenario and that is so overwhelming that I just found her totally believable so yeah I just thought it was brilliantly written all I can do is echo like everything you guys said (laughs) I know some of those opening lines maybe were a bit descriptive but I think the emotions that Quinn was going through were too complex to just name And sometimes Mm. when we're feeling something that's so overwhelming, it's easier to describe it than to name it. The symbolism of being in the darkest part of the night when Quinn is clearly in the darkest part of her life and all the in-betweens would stand out to her because she's in this transitional phase where her life's been so altered by what she's experienced. She no longer feels like her old self, but she also doesn't yet understand this new version of herself. And I thought it was just masterfully tackled and just a basic physical reactions like sweaty palms or a racing heartbeat or trembling that wouldn't be enough to let us see the intensity of confusion and hurt and guilt and grief and emptiness that she was experiencing I was definitely team Quinn from the start I was also like you guys said really drawn to Max I just immediately warmed to him he felt like the most relatable one like you said Shelley and Charlotte I didn't quite know what to make of her at the beginning it kind of annoyed me how obsessed she was with Seb. But you're right, Arden, that is what young love's like. But there is this interesting format to the book. We had long chapters that were marked with timestamp. They were then split into these sub-chapters for each point of view. We also had the occasional flashback in italic. So there was a lot going on. And I'll admit that I had to occasionally flip back to the start of the chapter to remind myself what day we were on. How are you guys following the different point of views, the chapters, the timestamps? Were you able to keep track of it all? I've read this on my Kindle and I would recommend to read an actual book (laughs) to a paperback of this book because I think for what you said Jess like I also got a little bit lost for a bit so for like the first third of the Mm. book and on the Kindle it's not easy to flick back and discover back where you are with it so I ended up kind of getting a little bit fed up with my Kindle not with the book when I went back into it I just I just went full pelt into it and I read it literally in a day and once I got to know the characters I didn't have to do that anymore it Mm. was obvious whose perspective I was in I think I'd done well because I was at 40 percent and then I'd done the last 60 percent in four hours it was it was unbelievable brilliant that is amazing I absolutely adore 
a multi-pov story. I think you guys already know that about yeah. me. And I feel like in this particular story, each character gave a new depth to the mm. story, which made it all the more amazing overall. Yeah, no, I agree with both you guys. So there's this great build-up attention as we follow Quinn trying to get her revenge, but continually coming up against all these hurdles. I don't know about you, but the more I found out about what Colin Pierce did to her, the more I was torn between wanting her to succeed and kill him, but also not <laughs> wanting her to because I knew if she killed him, she'd get, go to jail. And I just didn't want that for her. I wanted her to have a happy ending. So there was a strange mixture of disappointment and relief every time it didn't work. How did you both find it? I found myself just getting more and more numb the more information I received about it. I knew that I needed some form of revenge in this book. If this book was going to end without that element, I was not going to be like, I feel like it might have affected me for a long time. <laughs> I think I was hoping that she wasn't going to go through with it because I didn't want her to have to be the one that suffered because of it, because of something that had happened to her. She should never be taking the fall for something that was not of her making. I absolutely agree with everything that you said there. I was like so personally invested in this story. I did want him to die or something and I really wanted this or something. Like I was hoping for some really awful rowing incident like mm. where maybe that had killed him or he'd got seriously hurt. What I wanted is for him to lose a hand in a rowing accident because mm. that would really have symbolised the fact that he held her down and it yeah. really unfortunately frustration like that's what it should have yeah. been <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> I think what we did get is that she got the best revenge because she was able to finally live for herself again mm. and her body became hers again but yeah I still wanted something more to happen to him yeah the story handles some tough topics but very important and current topics there's Quinn's sexual assault leading to her steady decline and the mental, physical and social fallout that leads to her self-harm and being consumed with this revenge. How did you feel the author handled these sensitive topics? It's a really hard question. As someone who's experienced sexual harassment and assault, if this book has taught us anything, is to not be worried or ashamed to talk about stuff. Growing up at a home, which was my stepdad was very controlling and physically abusive, I was trained, I suppose, that boys and men were like the most important species. But even like my mum treated my younger brother completely different to us girls. He never had to help out around the house. He was given everything he wanted. And if my stepdad, like his dad, he never physically abused him um, because my stepdad knew that my mum would have died protecting him. So there was absolutely no point. It's like I was this free ticket because I, I would be the only person that stood up to him. I was always told that I just brought this on myself. I was told to keep my mouth shut, just do what he said. And maybe if I'd just done these things, he wouldn't have punched me in the head. He wouldn't have strangled me the amount of times that he did. I wouldn't have been homeless between the ages of 14 and 17 many times because, you know, he'd, he'd attack me and then he'd chuck me out of the house and I'd have to find places to stay. And then like I'd go back home and it would just be like nothing ever happened. And he'd be like, I love you. You're like my daughter. And I'd be like, but you've done this to me. And he'd be like, I, I would never lay a finger on you. Like it was just the most confusing, confusing time. And for many years like after this happened and I was like growing up, I'd be like, did this happen? Like, and I'd question myself. Gaslighting is just something that abusers can do. And it really is hard on the person that is on the other end because I just don't know what is the truth and what isn't deep down I knew what had happened plus he used to abuse my eldest sister and my mum it was just an awful environment like constantly walking on eggshells in my close circle of friends not one of us hasn't experienced some form of emotional abuse physical abuse or uh, sexual assault 
And I think that's either an extreme coincidence or just an, just an awful statistic for girls and women. And I think going through these sort of things, you start you stop questioning actually whether certain behaviours are okay because it's normal. It's normal for men to treat you with that respect. So it's normal for catcalling, for grabbing your bum, your boobs, looking up your skirt, making sexual remarks, bragging about sexual conquest and slut shaming girls, lying about having sex with you, taking advantage of your vulnerability. Like honestly, it's it, it's just it just all felt normal to have this happen in a place of work when I was about nineteen or twenty to senior colleagues started being like really nice to me I was really vulnerable which I didn't realize and I trusted them I was living on my own from age 17 so and I think because of experiencing this abuse and like to a point I suppose ne neglect from home I didn't think I was like worth much so both these men on separate occasions took advantage of me it was in a very emotionally manipulative way like it the fact that I didn't feel like I had an option but to just go along with what he wanted to do to me and would like to stay at my job and just it was just horrible and I would feel physically sick every time he touched me and it was just an awful awful experience and the other and the other guy he, he just like forced me to kiss him and like and touch him or he would just tell people lies about me and in this workplace I finally stood up and so did another girl this was happening to and we both lost our jobs so you know, it was just at, at this point, like late 90s, I think the whole, you know, it's all before the Me Too moment that if you stood up to people, this sort of thing happens, that like men did have control, but I think times are changing. Um, so always speak up. And I, but I think because of what I'd said, like this was all quite normal for me, I, in a way, I kind of felt like I was overreacting. I just got on with it until like later on and I'd found my husband and I was in a really and I'm still in a really lovely respectful relationship all this just came crashing down and I didn't realize how not normal all these things were um so I think like reading this book and going and reading what the and later on then reading that the author had experienced herself sexual assault I wasn't surprised like I wasn't surprised that she'd experienced that given the statistics but I wasn't surprised because of the that emotion that she showed in her writing it was just so raw like she wrote this book with so much sincerity such a, an emotional connection and I think like she gave these topics the attention they deserved and she handled it exceptionally well um but yeah, it was it was a difficult question. And I, I just think that Cameron done such an amazing job of portraying what it actually feels like to go through something like this. Thanks so much, Arden, for sharing that. That must have been really uh, difficult to do, but very brave. And hopefully to any listeners out there that have experienced a similar thing, they know they're not alone and it's something they can resonate with. And I think that's amazing. For me, I just I found myself really lost in Cameron's writing. She wrote with such conviction. It was intense, but it was handled well as it got the point across to the reader in a raw way. And I'm just going to read a little section that I tabbed. And it was the point in which she's describing the rape and how she was feeling. And just at that very end, when he wears those blooming loafers and he's walking away from her right after it had happened, it says in the book here, his lovers shush through the damp grass, shush, 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 past my white sandals, scattered like bones licked clean, I'm alone, with the churring of crickets throwing their alarms into the night, unanswered. 
honestly, I, I had to stop reading at that point because I was just kind of moved to sort of tears at that point, just like thinking of somebody going through that. I think this book is a book that matters, one that everyone should read and could be a very good resource for healing. Yeah, definitely. And again, like Shelley said, like I commend you, Arden, for your honesty and bravery and sharing your own experience. But I thought that Cameron did a great job at handling this because Q's experience is unique, but in a disturbing way, it's kind of not unique too. But there was this complexity to that specific experience happening to her specific character. She was kind of had this cool, strong side to her with her music and art. And she would have been a really complex and interesting character without this happening to her. And I thought that was balanced so well. I mean, it took the whole book maybe for Q to realise that this horrific attack she suffered didn't define her. But so clear for us as readers from the beginning that Quinn was so much more than the singular yeah. experience. Quinn kept calling herself weak, but we could see from the absolute start just how badass and strong she was sneaking around campus mm -hmm. stalking Colin formulating a plan to break into campus security and she wasn't deterred by the setbacks but even with all the strength of character it was so believable that Quinn couldn't see it for herself I felt her disappointment in herself like to my core reading it like it was so heartbreaking so we have three very different characters all affected by toxic masculinity and privilege what do you think about this theme and how it affects each one of these characters? So for starting off with Quinn, it affected her in the worst way, obviously, and um, she was forced to suffer the consequences of that and have to make that horrifying decision that she's to go back to school and face this absolute creep that did this to her. I hated that she was told to just go on with it. It was one of the parts that infuriated me mm -hmm. most. This girl's innocence has been taken, a lovely girl, forever tarnished because of a sick, privileged, beep, beep, beep. I'm not, I don't swear, so I'd love to swear by now, but if I did, so I'm just saying beep, beep, beep instead. Wait, did R2-D2 just walk in here? Anyway, uh, moving on. Um, I, you know, I understood every second of her anger, um, and I just was willing her the whole time to confide in somebody. Charlotte, for me, was quite a frustrating character. I felt as if like going forward with the toxic masculinity element of that, I feel as if it, she was a little bit late to the party, Charlotte, and she wasn't really seeing a lot of the signs that were right there in front of her as well. She was mostly just focused on pleasing this unattainable guy that she'd do anything for. But I really particularly enjoyed her character was well drawn and developed. And by the time it got to the end of the story, I was so pleased with her character arc. As far as Max goes, I loved, I loved apart from the chapters with the excessive rowing, I got a bit bored, but I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I felt as if once I got past all of that his story was very very interesting it was good to have a male perspective in amongst the females as well and watch how even a guy with goodness and integrity could get wrapped up in the throes of popularity he was a good person who behaved badly but it is how you overcome your mistakes that matters how you redeem yourself that matters that's where i'm at with those characters at this point wow i loved how you just wrapped up max at the end there that was <laughs> It was so good. It was so good. I think the characters were written incredibly well. As women, we are just expected to have to deal with toxic masculinity. And that whole phrase, boys will be boys, the way it was 
written on the front cover, it just set the scene for what it is actually like. But obviously it's crossed out and then it will be will be held accountable, which I loved. One in four women are sexually assaulted compared to one in 18 men in the UK. And that is people that have actually been charged. Of course, we're not saying that men don't experience this. But we're not saying that at all. But the fact that it does affect more women than men and we have always just been told just to get on with it. Talking about the characters, for Charlotte, I think she was so swept up in love for the first time with someone. And this guy, Seb, he knew all the right things to do. He knew all the right things to say. He was totally, like, wooing her. Clear that she was, like, totally infatuated, obsessed even with him. And for someone like that cannot see past their own eyes. And I think using their relationship as an example, it was clear that Seb knew he was untouchable. But he did have some redeeming qualities. I'm not going to take that away from him. He wasn't a Colin Pierce, but he didn't stand up to him. Then we had Max, who I loved. He didn't feel powerful enough to challenge them. Like, his character felt so honest. I totally understood why he took Alex's knickers out of the drawer. Yeah. I mean, we've not mentioned it, have we? But in the Slycrofters group... All the boys, they will pin up a pair of knickers mm-hmm. for a girl that they have had sex with. And obviously for Colin Pierce, there was a pair of cue knickers and he didn't have sex with her. He raped her. And for initiation for Max, he had to, to sleep with somebody and put the knickers up there. But he didn't feel like he could do that to Alex. But he, instead, he just stole a pair of her knickers. And I knew at that moment, something was just about to turn. And I think there's been so many occasions where this has happened in the real world. To be so taken up in this and feel so afraid to stand up. It, this is so common for boys that aren't up there. They're not the alpha male. They are just following and trying to fit in. Mm. I understood him. I didn't agree with what he was doing. But I understood him and I was just waiting for him to stand up. Everyone has the power to stand up to misogyny. You just, you have to do it. I mean, the three of us, like we're all mothers of daughters. So I think a book like this kind of hits us a bit differently. And yeah. But what I really appreciated about this story and what I applaud Cameron for doing is she showed us that toxic masculinity doesn't just affect girls. It's not a female problem that men should yeah. stand up against just out of the goodness of their heart it's an everybody problem and it hurts boys and men too and this is so clearly shown through max's experience i feel like max is a cautionary tale of what this can do to you and yes as a male he had an out as a male he had the option to join this boys club and essentially let them buy his silence but we see what that does to his relationships, to his conscience and to his own peace and his own feeling of worth. And when men don't challenge toxic masculinity, it hurts them too. And I'm so glad this wasn't a them yeah. versus us story. It was a everybody needs to stand up and be better story. Speaking of which, several characters start to feel uneasy about what is happening around them, but they choose to remain silent. So I don't know about you guys, but there were so many times that it was all I could do not to scream at every character in this book and just be like, somebody Mm -hmm. say something, somebody do something. And then finally, Quinn confides in our unlikely helper, Charlotte, who until that point had been completely wrapped in her own world and maybe not even realizing the influence that toxic masculinity was having on her, that she was kind of in her own sort of self-made cage that she probably didn't even realize. So she helps Quinn talk to a teacher And at that point, this whole book takes a shift towards getting justice for Quinn and getting it in the right way. So the title of this book is The Sharp Edge of Silence. And oh my word, that silence cuts us to pieces as we read it. 
were you like me were you screaming at the book as well like how did you find all this and did you were you surprised that it took charlotte finding quinn holding a gun for somebody to do something for this poor girl i was not surprised i think everything about this book was real and that's what i really liked about this for alex to not question it was believable although i wanted her to push her more because it was clear that Mm. she was suffering with something and she kind of just didn't question her my biggest struggle was with q's dad what really grated me is the fact that she went back to that school with a rapist I, I, could, I couldn't deal with that. Yeah, it was a whole bone of contention for me from the the beginning. Just heard the reactions of her nearest and dearest. I mean, where was the dad? He wasn't even checking in on her or, you know, finding out she was okay. And I was like, it, it's so hard for me to understand that. Exactly. It's just unbelievable to me. It was interesting to get that insight, albeit horrifying at the same time. Um, I was glad that Charlotte was the one that found... Quinn in the woods I mean that scene I was on the edge of my seat in that scene and I was glad that it it really just put everything into perspective for everybody the whole chain of events followed on from this one moment and for Charlotte she knew in her heart of parts there was no turning back from that and I was really proud of her as infuriating as it was to watch all these characters do nothing like you guys it didn't really surprise me it's so easy to turn a blind eye or to tell ourselves I'm sure that person's fine or it's none of my business or probably the most common one is I think a lot of people feel like there's someone else who's better qualified than me that was a big challenge for me that this book gave to its readers will you be silent moving forward will you be blind to what's going on around you or will you reach out will you stand up and will you speak out and I think that's what's stuck with me the most Mm. I felt like these characters were so well written. So I want to look at each of our three main characters for a bit. So let's start with Quinn from hell bent on revenge to hitting rock bottom to her slow and painful road to recovery. There was a lot of symbolism with her character. We had the leather loafers. Mm. I think you mentioned those earlier, Shelley, which kind of symbolized her being silenced by her rapist. We had the butterfly in her art class, which symbolized how broken Mm. she felt after that night. We also had... And this was my personal favourite, the Kintsugi Japanese pottery, which is broken pottery fixed with gold to piece it back together. So it's like taking an ordinary broken thing that's deemed ruined and then transforming it into something beautiful and strong. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of this before, but it's stunning. And um, I'll definitely put a picture on Instagram with this episode post as well, because I think it just perfectly sums Mm -hmm. up Quinn's story. So what did you think of Quinn as a character and her story arc? And was there any imagery that specifically spoke to you? Yeah, I agree with what you said, Jess. And I like that you've mentioned that because I felt as if the pottery element definitely was what spoke to me. I felt that it really did show that, you know, even things are broken the scars will always still be evident, but a transformation can still be beautiful. And I loved that. She just had that strength within her, but she needed to find a way to tap into it. Her arc was just such a harrowing one. So just seeing her come full circle at the end and have something to hope for in her future really made this book what it was, a, a real treasure. Q's story was one that I will remember for a very long time. I totally agree. I really feel for all of these characters and they all feel so real and Q is just by no means like an exception. I felt her anger, I felt her worthlessness, I felt her confusion, her self-doubt and I felt the loss that she felt of her own self because 
you know, there's been times in my life where I didn't even know who I was. So I could totally relate to her. But what really resonated with me was hope. And as we got closer to the end, the feeling of hope. And although it wasn't this magical, happy ending, we knew that wasn't going to happen for her. We don't always get justice, but we can still get hope. And I think that's what anyone reading The Sharp Edge of Silence or listening to our podcast can take from that, whether it's uh, confiding in your friends or a trusted teacher, a trusted adult, a charity, a counsellor, anyone. There are people that will listen to you and there are people that will take you seriously and that you are in control of your life and there is support out there. The beauty and the symbolism of her creations stood out to me so much. I absolutely am with you, Jessa. I love the Japanese kintsugi pottery, and I think it perfectly sums up Q's journey. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about Charlotte. Again, another clear story arc. Charlotte goes from obsessively smitten goody-two-shoes, who would never do anything to rock the boat, to independent and protective Mama Tiger, who learns Mm. her own worth and does the one thing that she's feared throughout the story and ends things with Seb. But that act is completely overshadowed by her part in bringing down the Slycroft Society and exposing its members and the deep-rooted rape culture in their school. The breakup with Seb barely phases her once she realises what is at stake and once she becomes empowered and brings these untouchable boys to their knees. So I would love to know what you think about her character. I think when it comes to being yourself, but in your own well-being, we let things slide. Mm. Sometimes I don't want to rock the boat. We all have things happening sometimes in our life that we can't always see past that. And I think that really showed with Charlotte that what was going on in her life completely took over until it couldn't because then she was like with Q, with a gun shoved, <laughs> basically shoved in her face, that she couldn't not see that. And then when Q opened up to her and she told her everything, that switch I loved that but like until then Seb was everything she had no idea what happened to Q and the minute that she found out she blamed herself for not being there for her Mm. and again I just think it was such a typical female reaction blaming ourselves for not doing something but when she did when she found out she stood by her side and she did what was needed for Q and for herself because of this I think Cameron wrote Charlotte perfectly those overwhelming feelings of first love the self-doubt the reactions to said mysteriousness the manipulations that jealousy that she experienced I just felt it was all written as though Charlotte had written this herself and I loved that she just doesn't look back when she ends things with him I thought regardless of her own feelings she did what was right and that arc to me was just spot on I think it was perfect yeah I agree I think that Charlotte was Q's saviour because the part in which Q gets the paint and she writes Colin Pierce is a rapist across the doors I was so excited for everybody to wake up the next morning and for the whole world to know what this boy had done and then they see it first, the Rowan team, they deal with it, they take it down and nobody even has a chance to see that. Yeah. She lost that moment, but Charlotte came right in at that right moment for Q before she was about to do something even more destructive. So I feel like because of that, Charlotte's arc was probably the most important one. And I loved at this point, this is where it really turned into YA for me because nobody, the adults weren't doing anything. The principals wanted to brush it under the carpet. Mm. So the teenagers take over and they decide we are going to get revenge. And I was like, yeah, can't wait to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, I mean, as I said before, Charlotte was a slow burner for me, but I did love her character by this point. 
she was breaking down a world that so far in this book she was benefiting pretty well from she was dating the most popular guy in school she was popular herself Mm. compared to the others you could say that her boyfriend was treating her well he was Mm. trying in his own twisted way to protect her from slycroft she got her choreographer of the year she was doing great at school charlotte could have just passed this off as someone else's problem but she stepped up and I just loved that growth for her because to begin with, you would think, oh, she's going to lose so much by tearing this down. Mm. But it didn't even seem to bother her because at that point she just knew she's like, this cannot go on. And like, I am better than this and we're all better than this. And oh, I just loved it. I thought her character arc was absolutely amazing. Like you both have said as well. Yeah, it was so good. Last but not least, we have my personal favorite, Max. So he's the good guy who gets sucked into the culture of this sexist boys club and all the perks that come with it. Max, I mean, he's my favorite character, but he messes up so royally in this story. But because he starts as this lovable nerdy kid with a crush on a girl, he feels his way out of his league, even though they have the same friend group and the same interests and all of us reading are like, just like his best friend Nils, which by the way, can we have a little shout out for Nils? Cause he's an excellent character. Nils is my favorite. He was my favorite character. <laughs> Nils, love Nils. <laughs> so we were all like Nils and saying like, Max, just ask her out. She's gonna say yes, of course she is. Like you're a great guy, but obviously he didn't have the confidence to do it at that point. And you just want to root for Max early on because you know, he's such a sweetheart. He's the guy who will phone campus security when he thinks another student might be in danger, even when that student is Colin Pierce, the douchebag who uses him for good grades because he's that good a guy. And then of course, when he gets mixed up with the popular boys who are totally using him, and even though he knows it, he's running with the big dogs, he's getting attention, he's getting perks. Teachers are treating him differently. The students are treating him differently. Suddenly he has the confidence to ask Alex out. And of course she says yes, because she would have anyway. But while he is experiencing these highs, they're coming with these really dark lows as well. And he's starting to feel the weight of guilt of his nagging conscience. And his teammates reveal their true colors to him. Sexist jokes and lewd comments about the girls on campus are just the start. Max is introduced to the Slycroft Society, which you mentioned a little bit before Arden. It's an all boys club that was founded as a protest when girls were finally allowed to attend the school. And it gets worse when he finds out they keep a record of all their sexual conquests in a book and they compete to hook up with the most girls they can each year. And then Max finds out that the initiation as you mentioned, it involves hooking up with a girl, stealing her underwear. I'll translate in case people around the world don't know what knickers are. (laughs) 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 Yes, steal her underwear and hang them on the rafters of the meeting hall, which is just disgusting. So Max is morally conflicted, but it's too much of a coward to challenge his new friends. And he decides instead to cast a blind eye to their rape culture, reassuring himself he's not like them. He can maybe change it more towards this whole prank idea and steer them away from that. I mean, all the lies we tell ourselves when we don't want to stand up for something because we're too afraid to. And this leads to him losing Alex, the most important person to him. And in a surprising twist and with nothing to gain but everything to lose, he helps the girls expose Slycroft and its members publicly, which for me, like what a redemption arc. So I'm so interested to hear what you guys think of Max. So Max's chapters at the beginning were my least favourite to read just because uh, of the rowing. But the pace definitely picked up towards the end. I wanted to pause or fast forward it, one of the two, when I saw the way he was changing. It was even harder to read because he himself was having all these doubts and problems with everything that they were all doing. And he was trying to justify it to Mm -hmm. himself by, oh, I'm not going to overthink this. 
when really deep down he knew what he was doing was wrong. And he ended up losing the girl that he'd wanted for so long, that he'd loved from a distance, and he finally had the chance with her and he wrecked it. Who knows if that was ever going to come you know, full circle again, if she was ever going to give him another chance. But there is part of me that likes to think that maybe she will would have given him another chance. But, no, but, she's um, not coming back. But I, I think that all the girls were pretty strong in their way of thinking, so I think that yeah, he probably burnt his bridge there. He had to pay the consequences and he did come through at the end. And he, I know that he sort of even had his moments where you were like, oh, he's only doing this because... He, he needs to do it because of Alex, but I think even deep down he knew that he'd, you know, he had mm-hmm. no chance mm-hmm. to go back to her. So he was just trying to redeem himself in her eyes at least where he could. I kind of would have liked to read a bit more of the book at the end, like a little bit later, and see where all the characters yeah. were at and what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd love to see what Max is up to because I loved him as well. And of course, like I was just in this book wishing he would do something. He did try. There was a couple of times, like those moments with Khalid and Seb, where we did practically say, mate, but you know what? That It was just totally disregarded. He was just told to go along with it. He was told he doesn't have to really do these things that Pierce and the rest of the crew are doing. Even Seb wasn't doing these things that Pierce and the rest of the crew were doing. He hadn't pressurised Charlotte at all into having sex. In fact, Charlotte thought he didn't mm-hmm. want to have sex with her and she wanted to have sex with him he did have some redeeming qualities but like with max his complete lack of confidence the rating that him and nils had about themselves it really showed how low max thought of himself i i wonder how long it would have taken him to stand up to them because i think he would have eventually i i think if he'd have found out some of like the really bad things that had actually happened and it wasn't just boys being boys but just boys actually being rapists and abusers I think he would have stood up I think he would have took he would not have gone along with that but I loved that this happened at this point in the book it was the big turning point for him the big turning point for the girls but I don't feel he it was he was redeemed because he he was forced to redeem himself so but I think his arc was brilliant to read. I loved his relationship with Niels. I loved how happy he was when he and Alex got together. And it was so clear to everybody else that him and Alex would have got together. Yeah. It was such a shame. I, I also just think Alex is another badass and she's no way going to get back with him because she's she's just not going to give him another chance after that. I think they'd remain friends. I think they would stay friends. But Max, great character, great character up. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I love that there are consequences for Max's actions and for his silence. Yeah. And I think for me, a perfect character isn't a character who does nothing wrong. It's a character who knows how to take responsibility for their mistakes and who can grow yeah. from their complete and utter failures, which is what this was. And I was so disappointed in him but in the end I felt really proud of him and I know you said Shelley that the rowing chapters you found them a little bit boring but I'm not a sporty person I knew nothing about rowing but I actually really enjoyed those chapters because I don't think I fully understood how intense the camaraderie between male teammates can be. And for me, it helped me to understand how Max could be swept up by it and the more he fell in love with rowing the more real this brotherhood became and the more I understood Mm -hmm. how hard it would be to walk away from that let alone burn it to the ground and when I see those scenes in tv shows or movies of that like raging testosterone among teammates like in a locker room like I just kind of usually look from afar and just I'm I'm Mm. like wow men are weird that's kind of my thought that goes (laughs) to my head but I think (laughs) the thing with these what I liked about these chapters was that I think Max kind of felt that way too at the beginning Uh, But then when he got to experience it, 
I kind of got to experience it with him and so like I actually kind of started to get it I don't want it but I get it and I don't think I would have had that without those chapters but that was just my take on that So the book ends with the exposure and downfall of the Slycroft Society and the complete overhaul of the school leadership. The Dean, who was a past Slycroft Society member, steps down from his position. Colin Pierce loses his place at Yale. Seb's place at Princeton is in jeopardy and Quinn lays her demons to rest and begins to heal. Were you satisfied with how the book ended? Oh, that Dean. He's awful. Mm -hmm. Everyone was just believable. It just feels so real. And I don't know if any of you have seen what's recently happened with like the Bristol University being found guilty for failings after the death of a student. It just feels so Mm. close to home, like the cover-ups in order to carry on. It all feels close to home and it's Mm. awful. I don't want to say I was satisfied with the ending because I still think Pierce needed to get something worse than what he did. But I think... Everything was tied up in a true, honest way, as well as everything could be. Of course, something bad should happen to Colin Pierce. Don't get me wrong, I'm not telling everybody to go out and kill their rapists. You don't do that. You talk to somebody. But in this book, I did want something bad to happen to him. But what I did love about this is that the whole narrative of this book is so true to life. I did come away satisfied in that sense. And what I hope that people that have experienced abuse of any kind or assault what they can take from reading this book is that there is still hope even if things don't go the way that you know they should go in terms of justice you can still heal there is still hope for you and and I think that is what I took from this book and that was satisfying enough for me yeah I was so pleased with the overall ending I loved how Q had her tribe, you know, and I loved the formation of Hannah and Charlotte and Q and Alex together mm-hmm. doing exactly what they should be doing. It brought them all together in a new way. It was only going to solidify their friendships. What happened to, to Q was something that would eternally bond them together. I loved the part when Hannah and Charlotte got rid of the gun. They went back to protect Q so that she wouldn't get into any trouble in case it was found with her fingerprints, etc. on it. And they made that pact to take that to the graves. I just felt as if like everything in this book just brought everybody closer. And it just shouted from the rooftops, speak to somebody. And uh, it was great to see Q come in full circle at the end and having the hope that she so desperately needed. I really wish that people had known what he had truly done. I felt as if that deserved to be splashed everywhere as well. So that there was basically he would be tainted for the rest of his life because without knowing that he could just go on with his life and he'll probably do it again so I felt as if I would have loved to have seen him completely outed in that fact but I think that the minimal thing that should have happened to him was getting his acceptance to Yale taken away from him I definitely would have liked to have seen him pay more yes. for that because he's also in a family who's rich and privileged and who knows he probably could get himself into another college as well I don't like to think about that I like to think that maybe his true colours be shown at some point and later on in his life overall I was quite satisfied with the ending I loved how they were all just sitting there full of shame. Yeah. They were going to have to pay that price and have to answer for their crimes. And the fact that she could go back to that school and he wasn't going to be there anymore gave her a sense of peace that she wasn't going to have to see her abuser every single day of her school life. 
Yeah, I was just so glad it did end, so hopefully. And I'm with you, Arden. Like, I felt the most anger towards the Dean because we find out that he was a member of the Slycroft Society, so he yeah. knew exactly what those guys were up to. And he didn't care. And I don't know if you guys flagged it, but the way he dismissed Quinn's rape when the teacher first brings it up to him, the way he immediately said oh, are you sure it's not sexual harassment? As if like, I'm going to like put it down a peg. I'm going to take it from sexual assault to sexual harassment because that feels like a lesser crime. Mm. For me, he was the villain in the story. And I'm not trying to justify Colin's actions because there is no justification there. But he was only able to do what he did and get away with it for so long because of the environment that that dean had allowed at that school. Mm -hmm. And he and Colin should both have been arrested, in my opinion. But I get why Cameron didn't make that happen. It was more believable and truer to life, sadly. But I'm so thankful that she still gave us Colin's public humiliation and taking Yale away from him because I feel like the things that were most important to him were his reputation and also this place in Yale and so to take those two things away and I know you said he could maybe go to another school but the way I saw it was if this teacher who had helped Quinn was the new dean if you go to an Ivy League school you have to get a reference from your dean and I don't see her giving him a reference to go to any Ivy League school so oh well yeah that's I kind of felt like there was a little bit of justice with that as well yeah I prefer that ending I'm also glad that Seb and Max lost their girlfriends too and they had that moment together where they're kind of sitting alone and they sort of admit to each other that you know, they didn't deserve those girls and they weren't good enough for them and they didn't stand up for them the way they should have. And I love that we had that moment. And yeah, in my were. mind reading this, Max and Alex don't get back together again. But I do think Max is the type of character he, where he will learn so much from this mm -hmm. and he will never, ever stay silent again in his life. And I think this would make him such a better boyfriend, partner, mm -hmm. husband, whatever, because yeah. this will stay with him forever. Yeah, I'm just glad that we've had the opportunity together to talk about this book and about these topics. Definitely. So I think we, we've all agreed, certainly, that this book is kind of a life-changing book. It's one that will stay with us. There's a paragraph, right, it's the very last paragraph of the book, and I'd like to read it just because I find it so poignant. It says, Dad and I have always known what music can do. It kicks up feelings you forgot you had, carries you through time, or makes you love right now. It can bring back people you love, even a version of yourself you thought was gone forever. Music can let you hug that version, yes. take her hand, and bring her with you. So you both know you're going to be okay. I think that's just the perfect ending to a wonderful book. It's beautiful. Well, I think we all can take a very deep healing breath. <laughs> like we we, yes, we got, we through, got through it. I'm so glad that we've been able to chat about it. Our next choice is going to be picked by Arden. So is there anything you can tease us about your choice before we finish up? Well, I wanted to delve into something different for me, some uncharted territory, and immerse myself in the realm of epic fantasy. What, what am I doing? <laughs> who, who is this person? <laughs> so, for next month's YA Book Jam, I have chosen a book featuring yet another female assassin. Ooh. As she sets out on a dangerous quest for revenge, her path becomes intertwined with curses and forbidden love. <laughs> This has been YA Book Jam with your host, J.L. Bleakley. Arden Jones. 
and Shirley Mack. Remember to follow us at YA underscore bookjab. If you're a publisher and have books coming out this year that you think would be interested in, you can email us at yabookjampodcast at gmail.com. To watch Arden interview authors and illustrators, check out Kidlet Live on YouTube and follow on Instagram at Kidlet Live. You can also follow Arden on X and Instagram at Arden Eliza Jones. You can also follow Shelley on Instagram at Shelley Mac Books for her author Q&As. And you can follow Jess on Instagram at j.l.bleakley.